Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, December 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as coronavirus cases and hospitalizations reach new heights, the governor places restrictions on 13 more counties. Then health leaders detail what Mississippians can expect from soon-to-be-available vaccines. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the Secretary of State's office releases its annual charitable giving report. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thirteen more Mississippi counties will be under tighter restrictions as the state continues to fight widespread transmission of the coronavirus. Governor Tate Reeves announced the additions yesterday during a press conference with reporters. Reeves says further measures are needed because the virus is extremely present. I've tried very hard throughout 2020 to be very measured never working to cause panic or to cause false positivity. I think the most valuable resource I can try to safeguard is trust. We've never set long-term policies, and we've never done things on a whim. We've always been measured, and we've always tried to be careful. If people don't trust that I'm telling them the truth when it comes to this virus... They'll never listen when I say it's bad and getting worse. That's exactly the reason why, in spite of what you've heard from so many, that I have avoided hyperbole and I have avoided panic. It's why I hope that people will believe me today when I say this is a time when the virus is extremely present. It is all around us right now. More than almost any time before. And because of that, I have to continue to ask you to be careful. I have to continue to ask you to safeguard yourself. And I have to continue to ask you to do the little things to protect your loved ones. Provisions under the executive order include the requirement of a mask when in public and restrictions on the size of social gatherings. Added counties include Adams, Amit, Cahoma, Franklin, Jefferson, Kemper, Monroe, Noxabee, Octibaha, Quitman, Scott, Sunflower, and Washington. Total number of counties included in the executive order rises to 54. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs is worried there's not enough buy-in from community members and leaders regarding the mitigation efforts. He says the measures are supported by science. Um, If we look at um, community prevention, at the health department, we're getting an increasing number of calls from community members who are frustrated by the lack of enforcement 
or adherence to uh, mask mandates or other measures. Um, would just like really to reinforce how important these are uh, um, when it comes to, uh, you know, following these guidelines as far as like the utility of masks and certainly strongly appreciate the governor's support for this as a strong public health measure. Public health professionals, scientists are uniform that this is an important measure. It's kind of like if you had a heart attack and asked your crazy uncle to look up something on the Internet instead of seeing a cardiologist. I mean, this is, these are professionals who look at the data and understand that this is a useful thing. But masks alone are not adequate. What study after study has shown us is that masks don't work in situations when we don't wear masks. We don't wear masks when we eat, and we don't wear masks when we're around family, and we don't wear masks when we're in social gatherings. Right now is an important time and strongly urge everyone to avoid any non-essential gathering. There's no, if there's no reason to go to a party, there's, there's no reason right now. Um, we're seeing uh, large family gatherings or even small ones or cocktail parties or, you know, students getting together at a parent-sponsored social event. This is where we're seeing outbreaks. The other phenomenon that we're seeing is very concerning is we're seeing young asymptomatic children giving it to their parents and their grandparents. And this is a phenomenon that's very concerning after the Thanksgiving holiday because we know that we have had a significant mixing of younger people who are higher risk for the infection then transmitting it up to older folks who are at higher risk for adverse events, hospitalization, and death. And certainly we anticipate this will give us increased pressure and burden on the health system. With cases rising, state epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says responsibility falls on each individual to understand they could unknowingly be a vehicle of transmission. I think it's important um, when you talk about when are we going to start taking serious measures, I think it's about that responsibility that we all have to realize that not only do we have the potential of having a severe infection, but we can be the vehicle of transmission for those folks around us who, um, who are much more vulnerable. And we can't continuously be surprised by the increases in the number of cases when we know what the simple solution is, and that is avoiding those social gatherings, wearing a mask when you're out, taking those simple procedures that we've been talking about now for months. Last week, leaders of healthcare in the state urged the governor to reinstate a statewide mask mandate. Reeves instead maintained his piecemeal approach. Again, after the most recent trend of cases, he insists his approach is the most effective. I don't want to put anybody under additional restrictions. This is not uh, something, this is not the reason I ran for governor, is so that I can uh, enter executive orders and, and require things that, that I really don't even, um, don't even like. Uh, at all. Uh, I guarantee that someone in Jefferson County and someone in Franklin County, Knoxabee and Kemper and Amit and Coahoma and Sunflower and Scott and Adams and Octibaw and Monroe and somebody in Washington County saw us today and said when we added those 13 counties, obviously the virus numbers in their county justified the additional restrictions and therefore I believe we will get more participation from people in those counties. Again, there is no disagreement um, between uh, those who want us to, to um, do certain policies and, and what we agree is uh, the more people that wear a mask in public, the better we are as a state. Um, that's true no matter what county you're in. It's, that's true in all 82 counties. I just don't believe that if you put a policy like a mask mandate statewide in place and never replace it, that it has the same impact as if you add based upon the specific numbers. 
when asked by a reporter why he wasn't taking a more aggressive approach during what the reporter called the worst point of the pandemic, Reeves took exception to that characterization. Um, I will just uh, point out uh, when you say that we are currently exceeding um, the um, exceeding our worst times, that's just fundamentally inaccurate. That's just not true. Um, that is false, in fact. Reeves used certain data points to support his position that the current surge in cases and hospitalizations are not worse than what the state experienced this summer. But there are objective data points that indicate transmissions of the virus and its consequential repercussions are more severe than ever before. Confirmed hospitalizations are higher now than they were during the summer. And at 1,410 cases per day, the seven-day rolling average is at its highest point of the pandemic. Governor Reeves urges all residents, even those not under his executive order, to wear masks and limit gatherings. For Dr. Dobbs, buy-in at the leadership level is vital in slowing the rising trend of transmission. He's calling on local leaders to join in the governor's message. He's a single voice, a very powerful voice, no doubt. Um, But um, we've also seen a lot of vocalization from hospitals, from medical leaders, from doctors. I would I would really just encourage every leader of every type, whether you're in business, whether you're in uh, local government, state government, um, whatever, whatever branch or flavor to go ahead and push the message. Um, What I've not seen is a groundswell of messaging from all leaders. This is a community issue. And I would like to just send out a call. Protect your communities, protect your workforce, protect your schools and be brave. Talk about what we know that works. Don't be timid about saying it because you're afraid of some, you know, crazy conspiracy uncle who thinks nutty stuff. Um, you know, go forth and, 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 and communicate. But we'll continue to push the science with, with Governor Reeves. And he, he is very receptive. Um, you know, and this this state versus county thing I know is, is, is an important issue. But I really I, I want to emphasize the social gatherings. I think that's the most important thing right now. Coming up, health leaders detail what Mississippians can expect from soon-to-be-available vaccines. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Happy Holidays. From Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. As community spread of the coronavirus increases in Mississippi, the health department is working to encourage people to get the COVID-19 vaccine when it's available. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the Department of Health is being flooded with calls about the soon-to-be-available vaccine. Vaccines, I should say. And his office is working to educate the public as more information about the vaccine becomes available. Dobbs acknowledges there is some skepticism about the vaccine's safety, especially in communities of color. But he believes there's more demand for a vaccine than most people realize. I don't think it's really um, a a bad idea to be cautious, right? And so we haven't even seen the final data. We haven't seen the final FDA approvals or the CDC committee review. So 
I think there's, you know, I'm not really worried about that level of caution. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that I would go out and get it immediately myself until we see the data. Um, but I've been, you know, obviously following it very closely. And with everything I've seen so far, I feel very confident and would anticipate that I would, um, you know, be willing to get it myself. Um, so I think putting our money where our mouth is, right? So I think the healthcare workers are going to be the first ones to get it. And so uh, we need to make sure that we protect those who are on the front lines, but also protect those that are the most critical asset that's being overwhelmed right now. Um, the, the flip side of this is, is I've also had a ton of calls about people begging for the vaccine. We've had a lot of demand. I think there's a lot of demand out there. It's easy to be concerned about, you know, and there are going to be YouTube sh- sh- stories about so-and-so had a red arm and, and then there's also going to be some false stories and there'll be some false releases. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's some foreign actors who give us some false information. So please, you know, trust your doctors. Um, you know, at the Department of Health, we'll try to be really trusted um, brokers of information and guidance. And, and we'll, we'll share data with you and have references if you need it. Um, and, and right now, even with the uh, side effect thing, if you all need information, certainly we, there's data behind that. And we'll make sure that we do everything evidence based. Initial studies of the new COVID-19 vaccines are providing doctors with a profile of side effects related to inoculation. Dobbs says those profiles are similar to other common vaccines. We're really excited to have some effective vaccines right around the corner. Both the Moderna and the Pfizer look to be 95% or so effective, at least based on the initial information that's released to us. The other part of this that's encouraging is the side effect profile. There have not really been much in the way of serious side effects. Now, there is, is a, a high likelihood of mild side effects, um, which is not, to be, not, not totally unsurprising. We're seeing, um, if you look at the data so far, a significant proportion of people have pain at the injection site. Not very surprising. Um, a significant minority will feel maybe a little bit sluggish or fatigued the following day. Um, and even a smaller minority will have some measurable fever. Um, but these are things that are not uncommon to vaccines. If we think about the pneumonia shot or the um, shingles vaccine, it's a reaction that's pretty similar. But these are transient and modest inconveniences when we consider the gravity and the seriousness of the, cro- of the uh, coronavirus itself. The initial doses that arrive in Mississippi will be made available to frontline health care workers. Dobbs says those health systems will be primarily responsible for the distribution of the vaccine to their workers. What we anticipate is we'll um, uh, give it to different hospitals and they'll have their own prioritization. So they'll have a lot of decision, but really want to focus on those who are at high risk of exposure, but also absolutely key and critical infrastructure. So. Right now, probably ICU nurses, respiratory therapists, you know, docs who work in the ICU are going to be very important. ER, um, you know, maybe you work in a COVID unit. So those are probably going to be prioritized. But we also will give the hospitals a little bit of flexibility to choose based on their certain operations. But um, there will not be enough. Um, but we want to get of it as much of it out there as we possibly can. As cases and hospitalizations rise, Dobbs is hopeful the vaccines will be another tool to stop transmission. He says he worries residents aren't embracing other measures to stop the spread of the virus. You can go to work safely. You can go to school safely. Um, You know, you can live your lives, but you can't hang out and have cocktail parties. Um, I don't think we're going to protect ourselves. I think it's just going to be bad. Um, And I'm just really hopeful that we can get a vaccine here um, as soon as possible. Because right now that's, um, you know, other than high risk individuals protecting themselves and us having a vaccine, those are the two things that I think make sense for us right now, because um, we're not seeing collective belief. We're seeing collective denial. 
coming up. We are going to hear about the Secretary of State's office and Giving Tuesday and charities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. About three months ago, I had to have dental surgery, and that night after surgery, I developed insomnia real bad. I went about two weeks without probably getting about two hours of sleep a night. Well, my doctor prescribed me trazodone, started me out at 50 milligrams, and then had to bump it up to 100 milligrams. Well, I finally got to the point to where I could go to sleep the minute I went to bed, but for whatever reason, I wake up at 3 o'clock, and I just don't understand what's what's going on. Uh, have you taken anything like melatonin, did you say? I've been taking melatonin for years. I take one and a yeah. half milligrams of melatonin, and then he prescribed me trazodone, so I take the melatonin along with the trazodone. You might need to take something a little bit different. Um, so sometimes a short course of things like Ambien can help with that to sort of reset your clock. It's common if you've had an interruption in that, and you can have it for with anesthesia. You can have it with, you know, uh, chronic or acute illnesses that come up. And if that doesn't work, I probably would go to a sleep specialist. Uh, you don't have to go to them if you just have uh, obstructive sleep apnea. There's other different things that they might can do uh, to look at that and sort of reset your clock. But it sounds like you've you've definitely uh, tried some of the most common things. But um, if I would maybe give that one more shot with your physician and say, hey, can I go see a sleep specialist to try to do that? Everybody needs sleep. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. MPBOnline.org is your destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You can catch up on past shows from Think Radio, listen live anytime, or become a sustaining member, all from one place. So what are you waiting for? Get connected now at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Yesterday was Giving Tuesday, and many Mississippi residents either donated or considered contributions to one of the thousands of charitable organizations throughout the state and nationwide. But Secretary of State Michael Watson wants to make sure Mississippians feel confident in their charitable giving. He tells our Michael Guidry his office has resources available to ensure those donations are going to reputable organizations. And look, Mississippians are obviously always so generous. Uh, last year is about $1.7 billion in charitable giving. So we do want to make sure that those contributions are going to charities who are actually doing what they say they are doing. So I encourage all of our listeners to go to sos.ms.gov, our website there, and click on the charities link. And on there, uh, probably by tomorrow, we should have our newest and latest and greatest report out on our charitable giving. 
So you'll see a list of all the charities, both registered and non-registered, both out-of-state and in-state. And for the ones that I encourage your listeners to check on here, make sure you look at the ones that are registered that you're giving money to, because on there you will see uh, the amount that they spent on administrative costs, the amount they spent on fundraising expenses, uh, the amount that went to the charitable purpose. And I think that's an important one to note there. We, we like to tell folks, listen, make sure they're getting at least 65% of all of their dollars collected to the charitable purpose. Uh, and that typically would signify a good and uh, moral, I guess you would, for lack of a better term, moral charity that's doing exactly what they said they're doing. Why is that threshold a, a good threshold to, to look at when you're considering who to donate to? Yeah, so look, you're going to have administrative expenses. You're going to have some fundraising expenses because many of them obviously hire folks to come in and help them raise dollars. Uh, so you've got to attribute some of that to it. And we look at kind of some of the operating expenses uh, from different charities around the country and, and try to get a good benchmark on that. Uh, the key is, again, making sure that you're doing your research and not only looking at that report, uh, but I'd also encourage folks to, to Google uh, if, you're, if you're looking for some type of uh, – charity and, and to say it's for children's coats or something. So I would encourage you to Google, you know, charities that give coats to children or something like that. So you can make sure you're doing a well-rounded uh, piece of, of research. Look at our report first and then go do the Google search as well. And again, I always encourage people do not be afraid to ask for information from the charities. If they're calling you, if they're sending letters to you, ask for responses in writing. Uh, many times you're going to have these folks that are fly-by-night that are trying to, uh, you know, take advantage of the charitable hearts that we have here in Mississippi. And they'll name a charity very similar to the name of a, of a you know, credible charity and then try to get you to donate to it. So make sure you do your research. Do not be afraid to ask for responses to your questions in writing. Uh, do not be afraid to ask for them. Ask specifically to them. Look, what amount that you use goes specifically to your purpose. So do your research. Uh, make sure you're giving to charities that are actually doing the, the good work that they do all across the state. Because of the pandemic, um, we see uh, a lot of people in the state and across the nation um, dealing with financial insecurity. Um, we know that there are people, unfortunately, that try to take advantage of, of um, you know, that environment by scamming those that do have generous hearts. Uh, what are some of the red flags people can look for? You know, say they find something that's not necessarily on your list, but it sounds good. Um, what are some red flags that people can look for to, that might hint to them that this might take some further research before I, before I start giving my money away? Yeah, absolutely. Look, if, if you feel any kind of pressure whatsoever, you know, if, if you're getting a, a hard press to give money, uh, if somebody's asking for your personal information, your credit card information, your social security number, uh, if you're, if you're, again, encouraged to go look at, at the website, ask them for their website address for the charity itself. Make sure that it's legitimate. Um, there's, there's many things that are going to throw the flag. And a lot of times, look, you're going to get a sense of, wait a minute, something's going on here. I just encourage you, once you kind of feel that, tap the brakes. Do your research. Make sure that the person that's telling you what they're doing is doing exactly what they're telling you they're doing. And if they're not, save your money and give it to a local charity that is actually doing the good work that we need them to do. Secretary Watson, why is this report um, such a vital asset to the to the people of Mississippi from your office? Yeah, look again, it's another facet of our office, and what we try to do is protect Mississippians from wrongdoers and from folks who want to scam them. And I think charities is such a big part of who we are as Mississippians. Uh, so any effort that we can make to make sure we're safeguarding 
Mississippians' contributions and donations to charitable efforts. And, and again, look, it's not just money. It's also your time. Uh, we want to make sure that you are, are giving your time and your money to a worthwhile cause uh, who's not taking advantage of anyone, who's not scamming people for their money, uh, but who actually is doing the work on the ground that we need so desperately here in our state. Secretary of State Michael Watson, we uh, we appreciate your time, um, and we appreciate the effort your office does uh, to provide this information to the people of Mississippi. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.